0: Hey, everybody, welcome to the Daily Objective and happy Friday. Today, we're going to be talking about finance. And um, believe me, it's not going to be too difficult because I am basically illiterate in that respect. So I am here to learn and I'd like you to come with me. Uh, speaking of uh, going places, we're going to be in London. March 28th, that week, the Daily Objective and other ARC UK shows are going to be live in concert uh, live in your in the flesh you come on out to london and uh we'll have a lot of fun then of course that weekend is ayn rand con there in london as well so stick around for that and then stick around one day after the conference april 4th for a very special event the details of which will be later announced contact the arc uk peoples at the link below uh for any with any questions you have and all of that. All right, let's talk about finance. I am basically—it's like looking in the mirror right now. This guy, it's—I don't know. It's like I have a twin, bro- long-lost twin brother, who uh, spent his life um, indulging in finance, while I indulged in well, some other things. Let's meet him. It's Seth Levine from this very network. Of course, you know Seth Levine. How you doing?
1: Hey, how's it going, man? Great, great to be on the show. Did, did anyone ever
0: tell you you look like me?
1: I mean, you know, don't take this wrong way, man. I get people come up to me all the time saying I look like someone else. I think I just have that like generic Jewish guy from the East Coast kind of look going. So,
0: yeah, Better I get uh, I get Paulie Shore, um, David Duchovny, Brad Pitt and Joseph Gordon-Levitt.
1: <laughs> yeah, I get I get Brad Pitt a lot, too. So that must yeah. that must be it. Yeah.
0: All right. Well, uh, so let me uh, basically. Let's see. Let, let me tell you what I understand about finance. So let's say we're living in the bartering culture, you know, so like we're trading services or actual fungible or non-fungible goods. I'll, I'll, I'll Let's put aside the word fungible. I just learned that word from NFTs, but uh, tangible goods. So, you know, let's say you, you, you've got a chicken and and it lays some eggs. I need some eggs. And in, in, in exchange for an egg, I fix your fence, but let's say today you need me to fix something at your house, but I don't need eggs today. If I take the egg today, it'll spoil before I get a chance to eat it. So we come up with a sort of currency, a sort of money, sort of an IOU type thing, like um, you, you'll you just give me that. And when I'm ready for some eggs or for some service from anyone else in the community for any kind of good, I'll just give them that money. And now we've created a sort of currency backed up by something real, so backed up by gold. So there's a finite, a finite amount of it. And that's what finance ought to be. Do I understand everything correctly so far?
1: (laughs) Yeah. You know, um, you actually, um, it's pretty interesting. So finance to begin with, is a pretty big tent. It encompasses a whole lot of things. It's a subset of economics. Uh, people tend to conflate finance and investing as one thing, uh, probably because part of investing, um, uh, we use the word financing, right. Or financing, you know, if you're, uh, if you're, you know, a white-shoe uh, finance guy like me, you you always make the soft eye, so it's financing, right? I mean, I work in finance uh, <laughs> for for whatever it is. So there you go. There's there, there there's your first tip to sound like a real expert in in finance, just just to, just to use the soft eye. But um, yeah, the other thing. So let's just kind of you know, I'll just kind of talk in general generalities. But that whole origin of money barter system, um, you know, that you just described is actually um it's something I've been researching pretty recently and it actually is a, uh, it's a myth. In fact, if you look at how money seems to have developed um, what money is and sort of how it came into existence, it really has less to do about that barter economy and more about what people call the credit, you know, kind of credit system, which I think is a bad word for it unless it's properly understood. So it really seems like, Hey, like, it used to just be like, if we think about credit as in think of like the credits of a movie, right. Um, As opposed to um, debt per se or borrowing per se, it's like, Hey, like, let's say we live in some like, you know, primitive society. It's like, I'll help you out with some stuff. You help me out with some stuff. And we kind of are keeping, we're keeping track of it kind of in like almost like a database, if you will. And uh, you know, sort of currency came into existence to intermediate kind of, you know, that um, that kind of credit system, for lack of a better word.
0: So it didn't necessarily emerge in in the midst of a barter culture. But other than that, it is sort of the idea of we'll keep track of who owes what or who did what work or who what belongs to whom, kind of like a blockchain for uh, Uh, to use language that the kids can understand.
1: Yeah, there you go. Precisely.
0: All right. So, uh, yeah, I like that. So like a movie credit shows you who did what. Um, and or credit at school, like extra credit or just regular credit. Uh, right. and here we go. Okay. So that's so that this is starting, I'm starting to see a vivid yeah. picture. All right.
1: And, um, uh, yeah. And, and, and actually, a great quote about credit, right? And kind of like really clarifies it. Um, comes from uh Henry Hazlitt, um, who people on this network, I'm sure, are or some people are f- are, f- are familiar with. If you haven't read his book, Economics A One Lesson, it's by far the best thing out there. Um, And very graspable, but he has this line and I'm going to totally butcher it, but to quote, you know, kind of try and quote from the book, he talks about, you know, when a person walks into a bank and a banker lends him, you know, gives him credit, he's giving him sort of credit based upon his credit in a sense, right? In terms of what what that person, the character of that person, what that person is capable of and the totality of that person, as opposed to like, what are your like, you know, financial assets or something like that, right? It's all kind of wrapped in, you know, the assets are sort of one way of abstracting away kind of this broader concept of, or concretizing this broader concept of credit, but it really is sort of like, what is the person's metal, if you will?
0: So um, why so how important is it, because I know a lot of uh, free market people think it is very important that money be backed up, be like kind of like a referent, be referring to some some amount of gold or some substance, something in reality. Um, Like, why is that important? Like, if we're just keeping track of who did what work and what belongs to whom, like, why do we why can't we just have a list of uh, just keeping track of all that without having a pile of gold somewhere?
1: Yeah, so um, this is a really big question. Um, so I'll try and keep it try and keep it light. And this isn't something that I've been researching. Um, I've did like um, uh, for for those who don't m- know my show, it is the Integrating Investor. It is on uh, ARC's um, uh, YouTube channel. Uh, I did one full season of it. I wrapped up the season uh, in December, but in that first season. Um, I did a seven-part series on money. Now, why did I do a seven-part series on money? Like everyone should know what money is, right? It's so obvious. Like we all use money every day. But I think it's one of these sort of misformed concepts. Um, I'm not the first person to kind um, of to kind of put it in those terms, I guess. Well, I'm, I may be one of the first person to put it in those terms, the epistemological terms of like the objectivist epistemology. But I think of money is really just a measurement concept. And I use it in an in um, analogy, right? Money is to length as dollar is to inch, right? So basically, money really constitute this, this concept of measuring economic value. Because if we are in a society, right? There's more than one of us. Trade, Human trade is a huge benefit to, to individuals. If we're going to trade, we need some kind of way to basically account for what we're trading. And that whole broad concept is money. And now I think that is distinct from the medium of exchange, which is currency. I call it currency. So what a lot of people, you know, free marketers say, and I don't disagree necessarily, is that currency should be backed by something real. And that I think makes a lot of sense because when you're, and it's important to see it in these terms as distinct because when currency is not backed by something real, then this, this is where we get fiat currency and the age that we're in now, right? When currency needs to be grounded to reality, right? And gold production was one way of grounding currency to reality. Now, if you look through history, there's all sorts of other stuff that was used as, um, as, um, as money throughout times, so, you know, like textiles and clamshells and whatever. Um, but basically, um, when you have nothing, when you have this fiat system, I mean, the history is pretty clear. It's, I think it's like 0 for 150, something like that. It usually ends pretty poorly because if money, if if what we're kind of trading with, this medium of exchange, is not backed in real production, then, then it's like, you know, it's essentially a whole uh, subjective um, kind of world that we live in. And that is way abstract. I don't know if that... That made oh, sense.
0: I understand that just printing money and just saying like, "Here's money. Want a million dollars? Here's a million dollars." I understand that that takes the value out of it. So, sure. right. I, I understand that. I understand why we don't want to just print money and, and treat it like it's real, like it refers to any value. But I I I don't understand why we need um why why gold or something needs to be involved. Like I said, like how about sure. just we keep track of what work you did, uh, what you own what you've purchased or produced and same with everyone else. That's that to me, Like I understand why real estate, um, has value. Like I, 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 I don't really understand why gold is valuable just because it looks right. nice and, and girls like to wear it. Well, guys too, but like, why, why is, why should all money in some way relate to that gold? That's, that's what I'm yeah. struggling with.
1: Yeah. I mean, I mean, we tried to make this simple. Like this is, this is pretty complicated stuff. So, um, bear with me here. So when we separate, the whole concepts of currency, right. That needs to be backed by something, let's say, and money as just, just this measurement concept. I think it becomes a little bit more clear. If money is basically a measurement concept for value, then basically all production in a society is money. Right. So like, if I go out, let's go back to, you know, some kind of grand society and I, and I grow some corn, right. But I don't have any dollar bills in my wallet. I still have money because I can use these, the crops that I, I, I you know, the crops that I grew have value, right? It has, a, uh, it has production value. I produce something. I now have value. Now we just kind of account for that value in money terms, right? If I was a farmer, uh, uh, if I was a commercial farmer, I'd be like, okay, I just grew 12 bales of hay. Hay is worth you know X amount of dollars per se. So now I have I think about I don't have twelve bales of hay. I have a you know a million bucks you know in my in in my you know I have a million bucks right. So when you think of it, so but really like I don't have a million dollar bills really. I have a you know whatever I said twelve bales of hay or something right. But we're but I'm accounting for the value that that will garner in money terms right. So. Money is distinct from like dollar bills, right? Dollar bills would be a medium of exchange, right? In whatever de- denomination. So when people say we can't just print money, well, really what they mean is they can't, you can't just print currency, right? If you go back to, um, you know, the, the classic, not classic, but like the, the humorous sort of pictures of like the Zimbabwean hyperinflation, you know, you could just, you know, Google this, um, you know, we see people with, with wheelbarrows of Zimbabwean currency the currency has become worthless because the currency has no bearing in reality anymore. So it's important to have your currency that has some sort of bearing in reality because you are using currency, right? Those bills to actually mediate trade in the future. So now I have these 12 bales of, hay. I want to sell them to you, Rucka. Like you give me like physical dollar bills or some kind of, some other kind of medium of exchange. And that's how trade takes place, right? We're not bartering. I'm not just giving it to you. If we had a ledger system, like if I, if 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 you're my neighbor, I say, you know what, like I, like I know ruckus is good for it. I'll just give him hay, and like you'll you'll hit me back up, like whenever, right? That works. But if I don't know you, if you're just some stranger, I'm like, oh, you know, you can't just, you know, what are you going to give me, right? And that's where money comes into play, and backing money with some sort of uh, basis in reality alleviates my concern about you, about your credit worth in a sense. Like, I don't mm-hmm. have to worry about your credit because now I have a currency that I know is worth something. Now, what is that something worth? Let's go back to gold, right? Let's say you give me uh, let's say it's 19, uh, just cause I know the numbers. Let's say it's 19, you know, 30, uh, you know, let's say it's nineteen twenty, and a dollar, you know, 21.6 cents equals, uh, equals a, equals a, you know, an ounce of gold. Now there's nothing magical about gold per se. There's nothing magical about anything else, but look, I'm not a gold miner, but I know that mining gold takes an operation, right? I can't, you know, like, I just can't go out and mine gold, right? Like it, I need, I need a mine first and foremost. I need trucks. I need miners. I need like knowledge about, how to find gold, where to find gold, how to process gold. Then I need a whole supply network of like people moving gold around and then melting it and then giving me gold bars. Like there's a whole real um, process there that I know my dollar bill um, is, is worth, right? Like, you know, if I, if I 21 bucks, I'd be like, I know that like, I can exchange this for at least an ounce of gold and that ounce of gold has bearing in reality. Right. So I don't have to worry about what the heck is this ounce ounce of what is this, do- what is this $21 worth? Like it's worth an ounce of gold. And that ounce of gold is that ounce of gold. I can see like, there is a, a there is a concretization of the effort that went in that can match my effort that I'm giving someone else. Does that make any sense? Yeah,
0: no, I think that's it. It's, it's starting to make more sense. Um, we can't. So it does. so like. um, Because without having anything tangible in reality, then it's like, OK, I'll give you 20 currencies, $20 right. and but we don't really all know what that even is worth. And even and tomorrow people can start saying, well, actually, 20. What was worth 20 yesterday is worth 15 today. And like, it's just You 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 need to you need to have uh you need to have so now gold does not completely stop the changing of the value of money but maybe it 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 makes it much more of a slow change for like inflation or deflation is that is that correct?
1: So I think like just the like let's even let's not even put like the the inflation deflation to it but you know when you have like let's think of the words like objective and subjective and I'm going to use it kind of with this audience in the objectivist context where, you know, I can see when you give me a dollar bill, I can see what it's worth. Right. Like I could see it has value. I'm not going to say what it's worth. Cause that's, that's pretty interesting. Like I could see it has value when we're in this fiat currency world. And you know, like, you know, even a mine gold, like it's going to, the costs are going to fluctuate the input cost, you know, all it's going to fluctuate. Right. But whatever, like it is what it is. When we have fiat currency, which is just basically, let's just say it's run off by the printing press. How do I know what my dollar is worth? Well, it's only worth, it's subjective. I have to go and trade it with someone else. Someone else needs to accept it right? in trade. Now that's true with the dollar bill gold backed by gold too, but at least with the dollar bill backed by gold, it's like, okay, worst case scenario, I know I have gold and I know that Creating gold takes something; it takes effort. Right? I may not want gold per se, like it, but you, no one else can just. It's it's something tangible in the real world. Now, when I have a, a you know twenty one dollars and I go out in a fiat currency world, well, you know, like true, I can go out and trade it for goods and services. That is a hundred percent true. I know what twenty one dollars gets me in today's society. Right? We all do. Right. But the problem is that can change significantly more easier when you have a printing press and it's run off. Right. There's no basis in reality for it. There's no tether to reality. It's a better word. No tether to reality that can prevent it from the amount of currency sort of in circulation. Un, uh, becoming unhinged from the actual real world production.
0: OK, um, so we've talked a bit about, um, how money, what, what finance has to do with like a keeping track of who owns what and who owes whom what. Um, and, and now let's talk about, uh, like the loans, the capital, really capitalism. Um, so it, let's say, um, you've got, night uh, a, a lot of gold or a lot of, uh, wealth. you've accumulated i'm trying to get a business off the ground that's going to take some investment so i will ask you okay can you loan me uh a, a million dollars and in five years i expect i'll be able to pay you back with interest and we agree on what the interest will be and and that and i borrow that money so i'm able to launch my business and then later so that's basically that's the idea right so that's what some that's what people have basically done through history in order to uh bring about big projects that take more than more than an immediate moment to bring into action. Right.
1: Yeah. I mean, this is again, (laughs) another. I'm going to try and keep it simple, but uh, first of all, that money view, what I said is not uh, a popular view. That is my view that I have like really, like i've been developing this developing this view over many years i'm not saying i'm unique cuz there were some people throughout history but like mm-hmm. that is not a popular view of money specifically
0: it, specifically what 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 do you what about your view is is unique
1: separating kind of money from you know from from say a medium of exchange like most okay. people lump it all together so if you go back in, into money there's a famous like three or four kind of what i would call Package deal is kind of the wrong word, but I would say just a, a poorly formed concept of money, where you know we hear that money is um, you know a, a, a unit of account, which is kind of how I think of it, uh, a store value, and also a, a medium of exchange. Most people are like all right, well, sure, yeah, like obviously, but then when you start to try and use these concepts, you get really things get really confusing. So like, what is gold? like people like gold is money. Well, I would say no, like, okay. Like gold is money. Like, all right, go, here's a gold bar. Go try and go try and transact. Right. You, you can't transact. Well, gold. So, I mean, so maybe it's a store value. Well, it may store value, right. You have a gold bar, you know, it's going to hold value in there to varying, varying degree. Um, it's not a unit of account. I don't say, Hey, Rocco, let's go. Listen, I love to, you know I'll, um let me think um i'm gonna go buy a salmon you know I, I I walk into a store i want to want to get a beer and you know guys are like oh that's uh three ounces of gold like no he's gonna say it's through right we don't use it as a unit of account so gold can be a store of value but yet we call gold money like that's weird what about uh credit cards credit cards money like i buy something like i swipe my credit card uh, there's no money being a shame. I'm swiping my credit card right like doesn't store value in my credit card. Like I use it for transactions. I don't say, uh, Hey, I want, you know, again, same beer and units of Visa. No, like we're talking about dollar bills, right? But yet I can use it as a medium exchange, but there are people who are like, no, credit cards are money. Like, okay, well, what is money? And they're like, well, what's your credit limit? Or like how much are your transaction? So things get really weird with these sloppy concepts and they you know, there's things like bonds, right? Like bonds, like people are like, oh, I store my money in bonds. Well, you know what? Like institutions, big money centers, they actually use bonds as medium as, um, as, uh, as current, as a medium of exchange. Like they do, we do financial transactions using bonds, not like dollar bills. So is are bonds money? Like people are like, no, bonds are bonds, right? So you get all these mixture of concepts if you don't separate them. And then, in my view, they lead you to really weird ideas like modern monetary theory or, you know, like even concepts like inflation. So that's a lot there, too. Um, Again, those are kind of unique views that I've had that I've had to really develop because I see these contradictions. And, like, it doesn't make sense from a definition epistemological perspective.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, there's uh there's quite a bit I don't understand about kind of the difference between <laughs> what you're saying versus let's say, I don't know, uh the other finance in, finance savvy objectivists or whatever. Yeah. But um, but I mean, can you speak to my understanding of like basically how what how financing uh a venture oh, works yes. and, and that's Sorry kind of what yes. what what brings us from you know living as bartering cavemen yeah. to basically having an industrial, highly uh, technical Technological society is. That, am I correct?
1: Yeah. So it's so even that whole financing, um, you know, investing concept. Like there are different. There are subsects, uh, uh There's sub uh, kind of sections of investing. Right. So if you had this venture, now undoubtedly the creation of capital, the use of capital, has created an abundance of, of more capital. Right. You can. That's the whole process of investing is taking taking money, investing it, doing whatever. It could be either buying stocks or bonds or whatever. It could be starting a venture. Whatever it is, at the end, you get more money at the end. Or as I like to think of it, there's more production in the world in the end if you have done a successful investment, right? And it could be unsuccessful, of course. For me to... So if you want to have... In your example, you want to have this venture and you need money. You can get it from me for two ways. Classically speaking, you could borrow the money, or I could. You can make me a partner. You could sell me a stake in your company. Now, both are very different, uh, and they work in different ways. Right? If you borrow money from me, you still are the whole, sole proprietor. You own the whole thing, but you have to you have to pay me back. And if you don't, given you know what, given the lending laws, for lack of a better word. I get to take everything over from you. I mean, get to, I don't want to, but like, that's how it would happen. Like I now, I now, I mean, I now get control of the assets. If you cannot, if you cannot pay back, what that process is, is a leveraged transaction. So basically you are trying to spend money that you don't have in the hopes of creating even more money in the future right? So it is actually a money-making process, right? It is a production enhancing process. You are starting with with X amount of value in the world, and then you're going to end up through your work and what you're doing, you end up with more money in the end, and even more money than what you even borrowed from me and what you started from, right? So when you see money as this, this concept of money is production, you have created money, right? You have created valuable you know, goods and services in the world. The value that I created for you is A, I get, well, I get, I get paid on it. So I earn a return stream, but the value, so that's like, so my, so my value is I get a return stream from you, right? I get more money, right? You get more money, right? Because you have this bigger production capability. Now I get more money because I literally can count up more money that I have, you know, in the end. But it's a massive benefit to society because now if you look at the aggregate, there's more money in the system. Where did that money come from? Thin air? No, you, Rucka, made it. You made it with the leverage that I provided you, right? So you made it with your kind of production. I made it via, allowing, via the risk-taking capabilities of, of the risk-taking process of providing leverage. That's kind of something that people don't talk about. I'm sure it's well understood, but it's not really, again, it's a pretty radical concept, what, what, what I just said. Now, if you just sell me a stake in your company, I'm still providing, com- I'm still providing you with money. I'm making an equity investment. But now you've diluted your, your stake um, by a little bit. We're still making more money, but we're making it in different ways because now, now I participate on the upside. I participate in the downside you have less risk of losing everything, you know, so it's a different type of financial arrangement. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. There's different, different levels of risk and reward um, from, from everyone's uh, perspective on how, on the, how the, how the agreement is agreed upon. Um, So and then it's time to pay back the financier, and a lot of people groan and get angry. And um, do, do you do you share the view that I've heard Uron Brooke uh, express that like a lot of the cause for anti-Semitism uh, from Europe is is the fact that the Jews were the ones that were the Christians were forbidden by their religion to right. to give loans with interest. I guess which is called usury. Is that what usury, that? Yeah. And then the Jews, of course, were allowed to. And then uh, when it was time to pay the Jews back, well, OK, we can kill them or we can pay them back. <laughs> hmm, yeah, you think. And, and but just generally, I mean, I mean, putting yeah. aside, uh, you know, the incentive by uh, some to kill, um, there's just general resentment people have towards uh, the financiers, um, which which we see, when, which we maybe has to do with people kind of evading kind of what it takes to bring about a production and value in the world.
1: Yeah. And I think, um, you know, for, yeah, uh, I do agree with, uh, Jeroen's, um, view, he, uh, that essay he wrote, I think it's in the objective standard. Uh, that's free. I forget, I forget what it's called. If you haven't seen, if you haven't read it, it is fantastic kind of going through the history of money. Um, the history of, of the culture of money, if you will. Um, because it's, it's pretty fascinating, you know, from, from Jesus kind of, um, throwing, uh, the money lenders who were Jews out of the temple, you know, the Holy temple, they, or Jews because Christians were literally forbid to do so, but I think this and and yeah, m- like money is vilified, and the whole making money is vilified throughout history. I mean, even go it goes back to biblical times and before. It persists today. I mean, look at the the Wall Street hatred, and now some of that is that's a package deal because some of that is, um, I think, some of that is justified. Based on the um, you know the part that rests upon the cronyism that is there, and that of course shouldn't say of course, but probably intuitively a lot of people understand relates to the mixture of state involvement in the act of in the investment industry, right? That the mixture of state and um, uh, state and, and 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 commercial ventures creates cronyism, uh, that is literally the vehicle for doing it, um, but people don't understand money. I think it was like, if you go back to the Greeks, like people thought like money came out of thin air, you know, this whole concept that money can just come out of thin air makes it seem like people who make money via risking money are literally doing nothing. You know, we're paper pushers. And like, I deal with a lot of like really smart professionals today who I really respect who kind of have that View of their job, like yeah, like really, like am I like I get paid to do like what value am I adding to the world? You know, that's very common. You hear people, what value am I adding to the world? Well, if you share this view of money that I have, it becomes very obvious what value we're add, You know, we're adding to the world. Our risking of capital in whatever form it may take, via leverage or via you know an equity investment or whatever else. Is helping to produce more money in the world. You can't, you know, it supercharges that, that, that process.
0: Mm-hmm. It, generally, I, I see a strong link between finance and um, thinking abstractly, thinking long-term. Basically, what separates human beings from the other animals is that we, we form concepts and then we, we need to do that. We need to plan and generalize. I mean, just use these concepts and abstractions to, uh, to, to live beyond the range of the moment. Um, And generally, I think the more we see cultures warming up to reason, warming up to finance, um, kind of the more benevolent and uh, generally positive things seem to get. Uh, And the opposite is true. Like the more mystical and kind of anti trade uh, uh, the the philosophy of a culture is, the more we see violence and um, otherism, you know, scapegoating of peoples and stuff like that. Um, Okay, you mentioned bonds. Can you just explain to me? Because I've always wondered what, what exactly is a bond.
1: Yeah. Uh, so a bond is really just a financial contract. Like there's no bond in the world, right? You're not going to like walk down the street and trip over a bond. Um, but it is a financial contract. Like, it, I mean, you will trip over a bond prospectus, which is a legal contract. Now it's a bond has a legal word associated with it based upon a tradition of, I don't know if tradition is the right word, but, you know, there is a whole sort of body of of sort of legal ease there that defines what a bond is and what a bond isn't. But basically a bond is leverage. A bond is me of you borrowing money from me and, and um, uh, what's the right word uh, um, promising to pay it back at a specified date and a specified time with maybe, or maybe not specified payments in between, you know, it's most common that, m- Commonly, most bonds pay interest, not all do, but doesn't matter. You know, it's basically a legal document. This is, I give you money and you will pay me this stuff, you know, this amount, this on this schedule until you pay it all back on this date. And if you don't, this legal document tells me all the things that I am entitled to, right? And basically, for the most part, depending on what type of bond you have, it's basically I get to come in and take your stuff um, because I... Not that I get to take your stuff, but I I assume control of whatever it is you use my money, right? I'm using that as sort of that is my collateral, if you will, Um, as opposed to equity, right? As opposed to stocks and equity, right? Basically, legal it's legal contract, right? Again, you're not going to trip over a stock in the street. You know, you may get a stock certificate, but that's just basically, uh, you know, again, it's it's saying that you are, you know, part of this legal document where it's basically saying, hey, I'm going to give you X amount of money and you're going to give me X amount of shares or percent interest in, your comp- in, in what's going on. We're going to, you know, the, and like we are going to, you know, profit in the, you know, we're in it together in a sense, right? There's no, there's no, we're equals. There's no hierarchy um, of claims, if you will, or hierarchy of legal status. We are, we are now participating on the same level. Whereas okay. in a bond, right, a bond, we are we are not participating on the same level. I'm saying I will lend you this money. You will pay me back this this according to this schedule. I am going, but I'm not going to participate in your upside. You don't have to pay me any more than what I'm asking from you. Like you could make a bazillion dollars and owe me a dollar. Like you don't have. I don't get the. I don't get it to participate in any of that. Our agreement is only what's stipulated in the bond document as in return for that, I'm going to be a senior claim holder than you are. So if you can't pay me back, I'm going to, I'm going to assume everything. And you as a borrower say, you know what? Like I, I will gladly do that because if I can't pay you back, it's worth nothing anyway. And mm-hmm. like, quite honestly, like, I don't want you to participate. I want to keep all the upside for me.
0: Now countries uh, use bonds with one another, right? We see that through oh, yeah. historically and to this day. So why, do, why is it that bonds are, a, are a convenient way for countries to deal with one another? What happens if, if, if a country can't pay the other country back, do they swallow the country and annex exit?
1: Well, you know, uh, sovereign debt is a whole sort of, you know, that's called sovereign debt, you mm-hmm. know, sovereign nations issuing debt, as opposed to say corporate debt, where you have corporate entities things are pretty messy in sovereign land. Um, now we do, we have seen sovereigns default, like Argentina defaults every, you know, every couple of decades or something like that. You don't see that same kind of restructuring mechanism. You see, you basically see a restructuring mechanism, whereas restructuring the contract, that's really what's happening. We're not going in and like building different roads or changing roads in our in, in these countries. We're, we're restructuring literally the bond agreement that we've all agreed to. And the reason why we all do this is like, as a bond holder, like, let's say I'm a bondholder of a, of the country, X, Y, Z, like, I can't take over X, Y, Z. Right. Like ultimately I would have to go in there with like a military, right. To, to do that. Cause they'd be like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Screw you, Seth. Right. And I'd be like, yeah, I guess, I guess, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm a blue belt of jujitsu, but you know, you, you got an army. Right. Oh. Um, so, so what happens? But really, it's like as a bondholder, like I don't want to do that. Like I just want my money back, right? And as a borrowing country, like you're borrowing, these nations are borrowing for a reason. Like they're they're running, they they need the money, right? Like they need it. So if a country is just like, you know, screw you, Seth, like and investors, like we're you're, you know come and get it, right? Well, that country is going to be like, you know what? I still need to borrow money. And everyone else is going to be like, why would I give money to that country? They just screwed everyone. They just basically stole it from everyone. Right. So there's a reputation that countries need to, need to maintain because they still need capital. Right. Um, To run their, to run their companies, which flies in the face of modern monetary theory, but that's, that's a separate issue. Um, So the, so, and so the bondholders don't want like a hostile arrangement. They just want more money. The, governments don't really, you know, they're not giving up the government, but they still need money. So they come to some kind of agreement, some kind of financial agreement that makes everyone happy. And then, you know, we go on kind of status quo. Argentina comes back to the bond market, issues bonds, and then, you know, buyer beware. There's a, there's a interest rate associated with that. And then, you know, <laughs> you know we'll see what happens from there.
0: All right. So we well let's get it uh, another time. Let's get into modern monetary theory, which I've heard of, which sounds like someone trying to reinvent the wheel or something, but, but we, it's we not, are out it's, of,
1: it's, it's neither modern nor monetary.
0: That, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, l- let's get more into that another time. Let's get uh, learn more about you next time. Uh, I understand you've got, you got a story to tell, but let's read some super <laughs> chats. Yes. And please uh, follow Seth uh, at the, uh, at the, uh, so on the socials as listed on his green screen background, but super chat time. Now that this is type of finance I am familiar with, um, (laughs) Roland with four ninety nine euros says, if there's one thing I know about finance, it's that this show is worth financing. Now that even I could have told you. And, um, one thing I know about finance is that the Euro is my favorite right now. It's always worth more than the others. Uh, Marilyn with $2 American. Thank you. Um, Rat lover with 10 pounds says I look more like Nathan from the wanted and spud from train spotting than any of those other actors. I don't, I don't know who any of those people are, but thank you. I guess
1: I, guess I do too then.
0: Yes, if, you know, absolutely. Alike, yeah. Marilyn with $2 says how many chickens will you give me for this cow? <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, yeah. That's a, yeah.
0: Right. Uh, Roland with t- 20 euros says quote, this is by Hazlitt. There is a strange idea abroad held by all monetary cranks that credit is something a banker gives to a man credit on the contrary is something a man already has. Is this the quote you had in mind?
1: That is the quote I had in mind. Thank you so much, Rowan for the super chat as well as, as well as for the quote. It's just beautiful.
0: Yeah. Uh, Jonathan sends over nine 99. Thank you, Jonathan. He's a finance guy. Um, It must be uh, quite a thrill for him to watch this conversation. Rat lover with 10 pounds says I am planning to buy a Rucka NFT, but I forgot the password to my phantom wallet. What should I do? Yeah. I love that. Everybody, please uh, send us your tech support questions, just general, whatever (laughs) you're currently uh, dealing with. You forgot your password, super chat that. So I guess you are supposed to write down the list of words when you created your phantom wallet. So if, So it would always be retrievable if you did not write that down. uh, Good question. Maybe create a new phantom wallet. I really don't know. Um, But thank you for the question. Enric with four ninety nine says, thanks. All right. Uh, So, all right. Well, I guess that's all the time we have today. Uh, Do you want to jump over to Clubhouse? Do you have uh, a few minutes to do that? Yeah, sure. Um, That'd be great. All right. Well, let's do that. Thank you, everybody. Um, Let me tell you what else is coming up today at 8 p.m. UK time. James Valiant is discussing philosophy and the real world out there. A lecture by Leonard Peikoff. All right. Um, And that's our show. See you all back here on Monday. Same time for the Daily Objective. Thank you, Seth. My pleasure. And goodbye.